Hi everyone, I'm Robert Curtis, and you are listening to my new podcast, Coffee with Curtis, where you will find me in conversation with guests from the world of sales, marketing, business, professional development, and more. Together, we will share our insights, value, and inspiration in the hope of helping you in your own business journey. So make yourself a coffee and join us. Enjoy the show. Joining me on today's podcast is Sage Ray. Sage is joining us all the way from sunny Australia. Sage works for the very well-known company Slack, who have made a big impact on the world during the last uh, last 10 months, really, of the impact of corona. And well before that, as we've seen a big change in the way that digital transformation has taken place in the workplace. Sage is going to be taking us through some of that journey. She's going to be taking us through some of her own sales journey and probably making us a bit jealous about her location over there in Australia. Um, So Sage, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Now, um, Sage, before I sort of dive in into the sort of meaty topics, there are two questions that I have to ask, first of all. Um, Obviously, this is coffee with Curtis, and I need to know how you like your coffee, if you like coffee at all. Uh, being in Melbourne for the last eight years, you become very much a coffee snob. Uh, so if I get it from a barista, it's an oat latte with honey. But if I'm making it at home, it's a long black with honey. Wow, you <laughs> really are into your coffee. That's uh, that's pretty serious. Very serious. Melbourne people take their coffee very seriously. That's one tip. That's good to know. I'm going to have to have a a coffee with Curtis visit to Melbourne and do the coffee shop tour. Well, it's definitely the place for it, 100%. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Sage, one of the questions that I really love asking everybody, as uh, as people who know me um, will, will testify, is that it tells me so much about people if I can go back to when they were young and what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, I'm sort of living out a bit of my dream here by running this podcast because I always wanted to be that guy that on the news, the news anchor or out in the field reporting. So, you know, this this gives me a little bit of uh, living out my dream now that I'm in my 40s. But Sage, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I love this question and it's because one of my mentors asked me this and it was the way that he explained goals and how to really keep keep focus on your goals <laughs> because when I was when I was younger so my first what I first wanted to be was did you ever watch Xena you know Xena Warrior Princess of course yeah it's a tv show yeah <laughs> so I, I pretty much just wanted to be Xena and then <laughs> when you grow up a little bit more you realize that you know being a warrior princess that might not be achievable so then you lower your expectations and you're like okay I want to be like an astronaut or a celebrity that seems achievable then you grow up a little bit more and then teachers kind of tell you that's not achievable so then you start settling you're like all right well I'll just be like a doctor or a lawyer and then you know you start getting your results back when you're finishing high school and then you just kind of settle and you're like you know what I'm just gonna settle for someone that just really loves me for me 
you know, where that's kind of where the career ambitions go. And what I loved about that was my mentor always said is, you know, when you're sharing your goals with people, make sure that you're sharing them with the right people that are going to inspire you and bring you up. So, yeah, basically, I'm just back in training being a Xena warrior princess, <laughs> boxing four times a week. <laughs> what is so interesting about what you told me is that, first of all, you have huge ambitions as a person. Um, innate into your sort of underlying personality which is amazing um, and and the second thing there is that you've already mentioned uh, having a mentor which has become actually quite popular in more recent times and there's you know various apps that provide mentorship and I know sort of you know from a university standpoint alumni associations have always been big in providing mentors to graduating students what 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 role has the mentor played in your life because I think that's something that people actually are probably looking for more than ever now I I've been very blessed throughout my career and I've I've had so many mentors um and I I think the best advice I can give when finding a mentor is find someone that you want to switch positions with and that's the people that I take advice off is people that I actually want to want to switch positions with. So in that stage, um, it was when I was about to open up a business and I was having a lot of self-doubt. I was really struggling, um, you know, because I was 21 at that, that age. <laughs> um, and I, I had so much self-doubt about opening up a business being like, you know, who, who's going to listen to a 21-year-old? Um, but this is another really young business owner and that was advice that they gave me. But throughout my entire career, I've always just looked up to people that I just want to switch positions with. And people love to help and people love to share their journey. Um, and I think it's just about reaching out and finding people that you respect, but also respect you. Yeah, I love that. It really resonates. And I think also what you, what you mentioned before as well, that the, the school system is sort of rigged, not necessarily in a sort of evil way, but just by nature to suppress ambition and the unlimited potential because you started as you know the warrior princess then you said astronaut i mean they're both pretty high aspirations but i definitely think that schools and teachers play a huge role in making sure that um you know their students believe that most things are possible actually in, in reverse and you know obviously it's not just down to teachers that's parents it's family it's other role models that you have in your life but um I, I I sense from what you were saying that you felt that school was actually not an enabler of your dreams well I was always on my report card was always age has great potential um, you know she has a you know she does really well when she focuses and plays attention but uh, she's really a social butterfly she has a lot of friends and you know she talks a lot in class and they never really talked about sales as a career in school and that absolutely blows my mind because it takes a it does take a real special person to be in sales uh, for someone that loves connecting with people and loves communicating with people and loves solving problems and talking through uh, solutions with people and it's you know as you know it's a very lucrative career um 
they're always hiring they're always looking for great salespeople. that always you know if you I land a great sales position and um, you constantly get headhunted it's such a safe career and they they never really supported that or talked about that in school so it's something that typically a lot of people actually fall into that's interesting and, and it's probably like a big gap just generally not just sales but being able to present yourself I mean it's it's something that is is so important in your career and other spheres of life that being able to sell yourself sell your product um, you know you, you could be a developer and not have to actually sell any products but you've still got to sell yourself sell yourself in a team environment to win a job and um, to work at that great company that you really want to work for so I, I'm a big fan of pushing presentation skills and business skills with within school at the earliest possible age. I hundred percent agree, and it's the attributes that come along with sales as well. Um, you know, it's it's a way that you have an attitude. It's a way that you love problem solving. It's a way that you can see a solution that's going to be better than it could be. It's a way that you stay self-motivated. It's a way that you manage your work ethic. It's a way that you overcome your fear of rejection. And these are all amazing attributes that you can actually take into your personal life. That's so true. Wow, I've never looked at it like that before. I, I love that. Great insight, Sage. Um, how did you get into sales? You mentioned that you were starting your own business at 21. Um, I, I recall from one of our previous conversations, you've got a pretty cool story of your trajectory into, into the sales world. Yes, I definitely, I fell, I definitely fell into sales. Um, so I, I was studying commerce at university and during that time I was, um, you know, in hospitality and bartending and one thing I loved about bartending was, you know, just being able to meet so many people and just be able to talk and that those little snippets of conversations with customers between, you know, changing kegs or, you know, uh, washing glasses. And I moved to Melbourne when I was 19 on my own and um, was looking at, you know, to continue my university degree. And I moved over in summer. So in summer, a lot of travelers come over and they take all the hospitality jobs. So I um, fell into a job that was commission only sales. Um, so it was face-to-face, -face, it was direct sales. Hardcore, um, hardcore. Never been, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardcore sales. So door knocking, um, you know, promotions, street pitching, um, you know, so these are a lot of people's, you know, first jobs when they come out of school. And I honest, I the way I see it was my apprenticeship into sales. Uh, so I started off and I had yeah, had no sales ability, but what I loved about it was all day I was just talking to people. <laughs> and that, you know, when they say it's, you know, when you find something that you love, it doesn't really feel like work. So it, the day would just fly past because I was just talking to heaps of people and um I yeah, I just loved meeting people. So by developing that, I what I set my goal for when I first started was I'd aim to stop or like knock on 50 doors. And I just wanted to build a connection with each person. And the reason I wanted to do that was because if I could find a connection with each person, I would feel comfortable talking to them about what I was doing. And then it would just be really natural and organic. Um, so I ended up being really good at that, but because I didn't start off well in sales, I was a really good coach at sales.
because I could tell when people were frustrated or losing their attitude or, um, you know, giving up on their day. And that kind of helped me work through those internal problems of coaching people. And then when I started training up a lot of people, I realized I could run a business in doing this. So at 21, I opened up my own business and uh, relocated up to Cairns and built a business from scratch, training people how to do direct sales. Um, and then as many people who have started businesses learn, uh, <laughs> learn some hard lessons, I uh, learn about <laughs> uh, overspending or, um, you know, when things go wrong in your business. So I learned some really great lessons and at 24, shut down the business with some great experience. Um, and then I started, yeah, I got into venue sales then, but it wasn't something I really had a passion for really in, I couldn't, I didn't have that heart on fire feeling of coming in every day and just loving what you're talking about and loving what you're doing. So I took a step back and I was thinking about their career choice and what industry that I wanted to be in. And um, that was when a lot of amazing organizations were popping up on the scene. And that was all the organizations that I loved were in tech or, you know, solving some big problems that uh, we never really saw. So, you know, things like Airbnb, like Uber. So people that were really disrupting the way that we operate as a society. And I was like, okay, I need to get into tech. And I wrote down three organizations I wanted to work for. And what I did was I just figured out people that I knew in those organizations. I didn't have any tech experience. Uh, and when you're applying, trying to break into tech, typically, you need about five years sales experience you need all these references especially when you're looking at best of breed organizations and I remember I was on the phone to the recruiter and I, I, I had a yeah had a phone interview with uh, an amazing organization Zendesk and I asked you know have you got any reservations about me and they're like well you know it's just your tech experience and your solutions experience and I was like well how did you get my resume and um, he was like, well, through, uh, you know, one of the employees there. And I was like, well, I don't actually know them, but I managed to get in front of, I managed to get to know them, get in front of you, get a glowing recommendation with, from them to have this meeting. And that's what business development is. So I can get in front of the right people. I can land meetings. All I just need is that trust for you to know that I can learn this product. Um, so I was really lucky. They gave me an amazing opportunity. Um, I absolutely loved working in that organization. They've done some incredible things uh, for customer experience, uh, pro, you know, uh, consolidating all the channels, providing an omni-channel experience. Uh, but then Slack reached out to me. And that was the one product that I... I was on every single day and I've never seen an organization so connected, so agile. I was able to ramp up easy because I could see what all the different reps around the globe were doing. And I was like, every organization needs to work in this way. So when I was like reached out, I was like, I 100% I have to work for this organization. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, a proper biz dev hustle to get in front of the guys at Zendesk and uh, you know not just uh, talking the talk but you were literally showing them 
literally how you would uh, you know present yourself for, for the company and uh, yeah I hear that though that when when a, a great company comes knocking like Slack and you know they really are doing something that is at the front end of, of you know the future of work and um, you know, we just see it and uh, it's it's hard to resist that so when when did you join how, how long ago did you join Slack? I've been at Slack almost two years now. Right okay and in that time obviously there's been an absolutely huge change in terms of the way that we work as as businesses today and that change was coming anyway we've been seeing um you know probably over the last five years minimum um a change in the way that obviously organizations chat internally process and communicate and collaborate internally um, but obviously a lot of that in the past was heavily email led anyway um, and you know that's just not a sustainable we've learned it's not a sustainable solution um, and and the world of chat apps in our consumer lives and personal lives has really dictated some of the big behavioral change that you know those people coming into the workforce now expect to do their work we need to give them the environment and platform to be able to do that. So talk to me a little bit about Slack in terms of, first of all, um, their absolute rampant growth, even before Corona. I mean, just it's such an impressive, impressive company. Um, but I want all our listeners to hear just what an amazing company they are when it comes to employees, because what they've done in terms of um, managing the welfare and working environment of their employees. I think it's really inspirational. Tell us more about that, Sage. <laughs> big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's big, solving the world's problems in, yeah. in one day. Go on, <laughs> off you go. You are the princess warrior. <laughs> All right, challenge accepted. Well, to, to answer the first question, the way that Slack is transforming the way that we work is if we look at over the last few years, um, you know, there has just been this rapid growth of SaaS products. And we're kind of, every time that I talk to, uh, you know, employees, organizations, you know, you get this sense of technology fatigue because you have this product that solves this problem. You've got this product that solves this problem. And they're all amazing. They're all amazing. Um, software solutions you know so for example like salesforce zendesk asana zoom and all of these tooling is so critical the way that we work but if i look at myself as an employee i have to go into asana to update this i have to go into the crm system to try and piece this together and then i you know if i'm going to start a zoom i will quickly be like okay this is a calendar invite do a zoom here so what we're seeing is all these fragmented type of yeah uh, ways that we're updating the way that we're working so what a, a true collaboration hub is there's three parts of it so first part is it's a messaging platform and this is where we're on the market it's very much an education phase because people see slack and they're like okay yep that's the messaging that's a chat app but Slack isn't a vertical, that's a chat app. So you have like your messaging, um, you'll have, uh, you know, your CRM system, which is Salesforce, that's a vertical. You have your 
um, HRS system Workday, that's a vertical. You'll have Zendesk, a CX platform, that is your vertical. Slack is a horizontal layer that sits across all of your verticals and brings it into one hub. So what that means is say that a customer experience agent is talking to a customer in Zendesk and they're giving great feedback about a product feature. How does a developer see that feedback without having a Zendesk ticket? So this is where integrations come in and having visibility of these different licenses in a collaboration hub. So I can see updates in Salesforce within Slack. I can see updates of Zendesk within Slack. I can see Jira, uh, Jira updates within Slack. So what this now allows is all the existing technology to go across the entire organization and have all employees have visibility to what they need for those little one touch um, roles that they need for their, for their job. So that's one part, it's bringing all of the collaboration, all of your software into one platform. The next part is, is how do I increase visibility? So that's channel-based communication. So say that we, um, all the tickets are piping into a channel in Zendesk. I can see all customer feedback all in a channel, which means that sales can see exactly what customers are saying. Developers can see what customers are saying. Product owners can see what customers are saying. So now I've got a whole history that is searchable that I can now see, and I'm connected to my entire organization. So I'm not sure if you know what Slack stands for, but it's actually a searchable log of all communication and knowledge. So when you move away from email and you go to channel-based communication, this isn't having one lens of the organization and one lens is e email. So think about this on a granular scale. If I am a company of 10,000 people, each employee say receives about 30 emails a day, that's 30 decisions and communications that only one person seeing. So when you unlock that all in channel communication, that is free flowing information now that every decision that was made in that organization, that is all searchable. So if I was um, to say to look up an account, um, you know, a huge account uh, that I support, I can see the entire history of every decision that was made, any person that worked on it, any presentation that was done, anything that was logged in Salesforce. And I can see that without having to talk to anybody in the organization. I can now self-serve. So it definitely is changing the way that people work. It's, uh, it's an incredible explanation and I'm sure there's more you could could delve into. I think I think what's interesting about Slack is, and, and you know, we use that in, in our company. I mean, we're, we're a small company, but it, it has literally changed the way that we communicate, collaborate, and also more recently using things like Slack Connect enable us to shift our conversations that we're having with clients that were typically on email or maybe they were on WhatsApp because they, they felt that, oh, we should have a WhatsApp group for this. Actually, we forced all of our clients um, where we can and 90% of our clients. Forced, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we forced them. <laughs> we forced them to set, uh, over to Slack in a, in a shared channel that, that is just so productive. And it just means that we're sort of, they, they feel that we're sitting in their business on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it removes a formality that maybe email sometimes brings to, to conversation and collaboration. 
Um, and, and, and what I can see, and actually I think I saw an article over the last few days on this, Slack really is sitting as the, I think they use the word, central nervous system of the organization. That it's this hub bang in the middle of everything that's happening across the company. And because of the just incredible array of integrations that you have, I mean, you must have probably over 2000 integrations, I would imagine, um, that yeah. you can then dive in wherever you need to, but all from that central nervous system. Yes, and I, I think what you said about, you know, Slack Connect and how it's getting closer to your customers. Um, with all of our customers, we have shared channels. Um, so what that means is typically in a shared channel with our customers, you have the entire accounts team in there. So you'll have your solutions engineer, you'll have your success manager, you'll have your account director. So when a customer needs something fixed or has an issue or wants to communicate, they can just ask a, channel, ask a question within that channel and a whole group, a whole team can get to them as quickly as possible. So your relationships with your customers are getting stronger. Your relationships with your vendors are getting stronger. Say that, you know, even you're organizing a marketing event. Think about how many people and how many moving places and how many times you have to get updates and approvals and think about how quickly you can actually get this all done. So it's gonna definitely, it brings you, you closer to your customers especially for example, if there's an incident that arises and you've got a huge customer that you need to get to all the stakeholders quickly to let them know and know that they're supported. To do that, so to do that in real time in a channel-based way of working, it is such a game changer for the customer experience. But it's also uh, what you mentioned before about, um, you know, Slack during this COVID time it was such an uncertain time for all employees, you know, working remotely. And our CEO has a channel and all of our executives are in it. So our head of people, our head of engineering, our head of platform, and um, it's called Slack AMA. So it's Ask Me Anything. So the transparency that we had throughout this move to remote work, we could ask our CEO anything about the way the, comp the company was pivoting, the way what remote working means, will we be able to do this, uh, you know, long-term? And we could see exactly what the CEO was saying and how he was making those calls. So now what you've done is you've created a platform that not only you're closer with your customers, but you have complete transparency and closeness with your employees as well. That's super interesting because prior to that type of ability to engage at that level, CEOs and management typically, particularly from an internal comms perspective, were... I guess, broadcast management, broadcast CEOs, they would put out a message and that would be consumed and there'd be no engagement. And we all know that we live in a, a world of, of uber hyper engagement, um, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. Um, but certainly within a, in a, a work environment, being able to engage with a CEO at that level is mind blowing. Have and you it's... Have you asked any it's questions? No problem. <laughs> well, this is a this is a brilliant thing about having Slack. Is well, well, to be honest, any channel based communication that is searchable is someone probably has asked that question before. So even you know, say that I was onboarding remotely, and I wanted to find out how do I log leave? How do I um, 
how do I uh, ask for remote work or all of these like one touch questions that everyone typically will ask when they start in the company. When you have a channel that you can just find that in, it's it's searchable so you can already self-serve. So someone's typically asked that question before. So all the questions I had, employees were already thinking and they already asked. So I all I had to do was search it. And I was like, okay, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the the impact of the pandemic obviously has forced companies that perhaps hadn't thought about this type of work before into very quickly making decisions to be able to enable remote conversation, collaboration, integration and automation to take place really, really quickly. Um, so, you know, certainly within the tech world, probably we were all very, very used to this already, but certainly speaking to companies like law firms, accountancy firms, um, big manufacturing that actually aren't perhaps used to the digital transformation in terms of internal comms that we perhaps have been uh, more, more au fait with over recent years had to move really quickly. And, and Slack obviously has been an absolutely huge winner of this change. I mean, we're, we're talking tens of millions of new users in a very short period of time. How does a company on board at that scale? <sighs> yeah, you know, and I, I think it's exactly it's exactly what you said. They, it is a need to pivot. And what I really love about what we're doing at the moment is, you know, with remote work, um, we did. There was a big survey that went out. Uh, Slack did a lot of market research about this, and they were saying trying to see how many people actually wanted to go back into the office and how many people wanted to stay working remotely and never come back into the office, and then how many people wanted a hybrid model. And it was over 70% of people wanted this hybrid and this flexible work. So now organizations have to think is where is our HQ? So our HQ is where people come in, decisions are made, people collaborate, and this is where we do our work. So typically in these large organizations, that would all be done in the office. But now that employees' expectations are changing, they have to pivot to a way and create a digital HQ um, and it mm. yeah it, it is it is tough for these large organizations especially moving away from legacy systems and um, pivoting so quickly but um, this digital disruption is seen it move quickly and it's it's making it top of mind for these executives but what's great about it it's going to be the tens of thousands of employees that now get to have a life that is flexible and a life that they they want as well and they're going to need this technology now um to be able to compete for top talent uh so it's it's a forced digital disruption um but there's going to be so many people that are going to really um really have a great life because of it i think what you said about the the race for talent is probably what's going to drive all this because the horse has bolted. It's been completely sped up by the impact of Corona. And those companies that fully embrace the ability to provide remote working will be able to hire the best talent. Because if you've got two job offers and you're brilliant at what you do, and one job offer says, well, yeah, you can come into HQ or you can go and do whatever you like in terms of your location. 
we're a full remote service if that's what you want well of course i'm going to take that especially if i'm at the top of my game um i mean this has obviously had a big impact for you in your own life tell our listeners where you're located to make us all jealous and, and, and how you've restructured your, your life um, as a result of the ability to, to have full remote working and the, the way that Slack have offered, offered that to all of its employees. Uh, yeah, I have to say I'm extremely grateful. And one of the reasons I did choose to work for Slack was because I understood that they did have remote workers uh, over two years ago, there was a number of a workforce that was working remotely. So my hopes was to join Slack and then inevitably find myself in a remote role so I could have the freedom and to, to live where I'd like to live and to have the lifestyle that I'd like to have. So when Slack announced uh, a remote working policy, uh, that's when I did pick up my life and um, moved to Byron Bay. So for anyone uh, that hasn't been to Australia, Byron Bay is what you see on the postcards. <laughs> so it's the sunshine, it's the surf. And um, I would have never had this opportunity if I couldn't work remotely. But as a result of it, um, I've seen an increase in my performance, my overall happiness. Um, it, because in the mornings, uh, when I would be working in the city, I'd be waking up at 5 a.m. to make sure I could get to the gym in time, to make sure I could get to the office and leave. And then you know, an hour commute home and I, you know, lived in a city because that's where my role was. But now um, I live in a beautiful coastal town, um, surrounded in nature, which uh, that just personally makes me really happy after a big day, just being able to be by the beach or the rainforest. And in the mornings, I get to start my morning by going surfing. So the way that I actually am as an employee is a lot more relaxed and a lot more happy because of the, where I am and how, you know, I, I get to actually live my day-to-day -day life. That's amazing, wow. I think the, the, the biggest change for me actually has been the commute. You know, being able to reduce that, you know, up to two hour slot of traveling every day is just a, a big game changer in terms of just health and well-being and not sitting on a train or a car and um, just being more productive. I mean, that's two hours. Two hours is a lot of time and so much can happen in that. I think the productivity um, question and there's so many naysayers out there. No, get back in the office. How are you? They're called companies because you're supposed to have company together. Um, but actually, <laughs> uh, you know, as I said, the horse has bolted and being able to to, to, to do as you want to in your life walk through your work I think is just is, is just such a big generational shift um, again sped up through corona but there, there is something to what the naysayers say maybe it's just because I'm already a bit older and you know I've experienced 20 years in physical workplaces but there is that relationship building. I don't even want to call it water cooler moments because I don't necessarily believe in those as, 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 as the thing that we're really missing out on. It's just, just those deeper relationships that you, you get by being in the same physical location um, that I personally don't think we can ever get away from. So I do think there is a need for some lighter hybrid model where if you want to, the mm -hmm. opportunities exist for it. There should be maybe regular times where particular teams do meet physically. 
Um, but again, it doesn't have to be every day. I completely agree. I love face-to-face -face meetings. I love the relationships and the, um, you know, a lot of my mentors have come from being exposed to those water cooler moments. Um, yeah, this brings me to something that's really exciting uh, that we're doing in our women's ARG group uh, because we are, and this goes back to having these water cooler moments. And, you know, when you think about when you're in the office, it's a really exciting Wednesday, like an executive is in there and you can have those like one-on-one -on -one conversations with an executive, you know, while you're making coffee and um, form an informal relationship rather than, you know, being on a, a joint Zoom meeting. Uh, so we were brainstorming in our uh, ARG group about how we can overcome this. So me and uh, another woman, Alice, we're working on this project. Uh, it's called uh, it's using a platform called Donut. So what Donut does is it randomly pairs you uh, with anybody that's a part of this group. And we're doing uh, a set of questions at a big talk. So big talk questions are, you know, what are some of your biggest fears? What was your proudest moment? To really deepen these types of connections virtually. As, but what this has done is it's opened it up from just being a Melbourne location or you know, in Tokyo or you know, being in San Francisco. And it's broken down all those silos and it's bring it back digitally. I do, I am such a big face-to-face -face person as well. So I definitely believe I'm doing you know, more on-sites or you know, going into these offices, but going into the office to build meaningful connections and to do meaningful work. So I feel like the time at home or working remotely um, that would be done in productivity. But when we go in and see people face to face, it's going to be of so much more value. I, th I think that's amazing. I'm going to have to check out Donut because that sounds really, really interesting. The, I, I think also what you're, you're hinting at as well is the ability to democratize work and skills and actually for, for companies to truly be meritocracies is perhaps an outcome of this, because we all know those, you know, more talkative people or, you know, those with the bigger personalities that perhaps in traditional office settings would be the ones who were always in management's face or getting that promotion because they were just more vocal. And actually they might yeah. not be as good at the job as somebody else. So with, with, with this process happening, it, it, it levels the playing field and says, wow, Mary, Bob and Alice, you've all done amazing jobs. I didn't really know you before, but amazing. You've, you've pushed the product forward in this way. And actually we want to give you more responsibility or new projects and, and greater things to do within the company. I, I, I think that's going to be something that, that comes out of this, that skills-based meritocracy is, is, is what's going to happen. I 100% agree. And uh, this way, yeah, it came from a chat that we were having in the ERG group and it, we were trying to redefine our purpose of what, what do we really want to get out of it? And as I've said before, mentors for me have been such a game changer. Uh, I constantly seek help and I constantly seek feedback and I'm constantly looking at ways that I can improve. But I also understand that not everyone has that extroverted personality or, um, you know, it's quite scared to you know go and talk to an executive for advice because uh you know especially if you're an introverted person uh that that is can be quite scary 
so when you set this up and you have these virtual chats and you have these big talks, that connection that you can film with a handrail, that gives you more time to be feel comfortable to just ping them out of nowhere and be like, hey, remember that, that chat? I'd love some advice and feedback on this. And it's a way that we can actually connect with our global organization more rather than just locally. Amazing. Now we're coming almost to the end of our time together today. And uh, you've given us so much insight on not only your own career, on sales, and also on obviously on Slack. Um, I've got two questions for you as we wrap up. First one is really focusing on women in tech or rather women in sales specifically. Um, obviously women make up more than 50% of the world's population, but they don't make up more than 50% of the Salesforce armies that are around the world. Um, we're definitely seeing more women come into sales roles and obviously be very, very successful. Why wouldn't they be? Um, what, what, why is this a career that you would promote for women listening to this and how best to make their stamp in the world, in the sales world? Okay, um, that's a that's a really great question, and this is honestly this is a, the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> was all right. So when when women have a problem, right, what they do is they will call up three three of their girlfriends or call up um, you know someone that they really trust, and what they'll do is they'll work through it with them. So they'll be like, okay, this is this scenario, this is this scenario, this is this scenario. And women are phenomenal problem solvers. I, I think uh, Reese Witherspoon, she, she actually said it best. Uh, she was doing a speech about why she started her own production company. And uh, it was because she kept getting these roles and they were, um, they just weren't realistic because it would, a woman would get into trouble and then she would look and she'd turn to a man and she'd be like, well, what do we do now? And women just don't do that. <laughs> In a crisis situation, a woman doesn't look and be like, what do we do now? If you see, you know, like if you think about your mothers, if you think about, you know, women in a crisis situation, they're like, this is what we're going to do. So what Reese with this spoon, she was like talking to her mother about it. And she was like, I'm just really sick of getting these roles. And she was like, well, what are you going to do now? And, and that's how she actually started her production company. And in solution-based selling, uh, all you're trying to do is you're just trying to solve a problem and you're trying to communicate it in a way that someone understands it well. And you're trying to empathize with where they're coming from, especially in, you know, especially in enterprise sales is, expect you know for example with slack is like with remote work it these companies pivoting during such a crucial time you have to sit with and empathize and be like all right well what's what is the problem what are you trying to solve for all right and listen and add value and work through these problems with them and women are phenomenal phenomenal at that i feel like we've come full circle back to the princess warrior <laughs> as, 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 as we wrap up my final question and I, I I'll give my answer as well to this what is your favorite feature in slack mine by far and away so far this year has been slack connect since it got launched fully um, it's really changed the way that we do business um, so what is your favorite feature? You've got to pick one. I know there's probably many. Oh goodness. Okay. 
this is this this just talks to culture um so we're seeing a lot of uh, questions being asked that's like is how can we improve the culture you know especially in remote working how can we connect our employees uh, so in our location and in our melbourne channel uh, at 3 p.m a couple of times a week we will have a trivia come up at 3 p.m. and everyone just jumps on this trivia <laughs> so it's a way that um, we bring all of our location back together there's a banter in the channel there's all different types of trivia questions and it's uh, used by an integration called poly uh, but what I love about it, it um, it's just the way that we we're connecting people digitally wow and still keeping that sense of community I absolutely love that. So you basically have a Slack pub quiz each week. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> much. But I, I mean, but you've actually you've actually given a great example as to why, when when all is said and done, you can create culture. You can do all of the communication, collaboration, and other integrations that you need. And actually, it sounds like. Um, you know, if you follow some of the examples that your your employers uh, implementing, you can build really great companies and uh, people shouldn't be scared of this big digital transformation. The more they embrace it, um, I think ultimately they'll, they'll hire better talent, they'll do more productive work, they'll do great things for the for the business. And uh, um, as you say, we can all become warriors. Yeah, one digital transformation at a time. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, Sage, you've been an amazing guest on our podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time, um, particularly now in your evening in Australia, for speaking with us and uh, sharing your insights with our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Curtis. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please remember to subscribe and watch out for the next episode.